I will definitely call you back later then. Come on, wrap it up. Big circle up. Okay, you know what? Wrap up the circle thing. Come on. Mr. Parker, wrap it up, please. Okay. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Hey, that's a wrap. That means it's the end of the week. We're going to talk about things that happened this week uh, with our good friends who are in studio with me, Danny Zimmern. Uh, congratulations, Danny. Mardi Gras is over. You can breathe again. Well, trying to. Trying to get a little rest. <laughs> uh, maybe after this weekend we'll be caught up. But it was a great season. And thanks for all y'all did around here. Oh, uh, no, we love Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras is the thing, man. That's good. And uh, Jeremy Evans, a good friend, Jeremy Evans. Um, Mardi Gras is also over for you, but that's not the relevant yeah, point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, I was just reading, I hadn't read it previously, but this Wall Street Journal, we are on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, uh, not news radio, but Pensacola is on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. Headline here says, million-dollar home sales were rare around Pensacola. Now they're everywhere. And it's a pretty sweet promo piece. I mean, one of the paragraphs here says, known for its laid-back lifestyle, the Pensacola region is home to the University of West Florida, the Naval Air Station Pensacola, and the U.S. Navy's Blue Angels Flight Squadron, uh, which performs a local air show twice a year on summer days. Boats and snorkelers fill its waters, and beachgoers lounge on its various shorelines. Bridges connect with Metro's barrier islands, as well as the Fairpoint Peninsula to downtown Pensacola, which has bistros, restaurants, coffee shops, and breweries. This sounds like a good place to visit. There are also live music events. a good place to live, Andrew. I I'm aware. There are also live music events, opera, ballet, and theater from April to September. Locals and visitors watch the minor league baseball team, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos, at their waterfront stadium. During the colder months, a professional ice hockey team called the Pensacola Ice Flyers play in an indoor arena and on and on. I think they even mentioned Mardi Gras. They do. It was awesome. Typical crowds drawing 100,000 spectators, according to Mayor D.C. Reeves and our other good friend, Danny Zimmern. You read it. What do you think? I mean, it's, it's a success story, but it's also, I think locals look at it and be like, yeah. There used to not be million-dollar homes around here. You know, <laughs> that's not all upside, right? Well, this morning, uh, reading the paper and then looking online a little bit, <clears throat> I was uh, actually a little surprised at the number of people that kind of barked about exactly what you said. You know, mm-hmm. we can't afford million-dollar homes around here, and we need to work on that piece of the economy. But I think good news is good news. It doesn't have to cure everything. Uh, let's take some good news and, and run with it and, and be happy. And for Pensacola, Florida to be on the front page of Wall Street Journal and get that kind of coverage. And, and you know, the article mentioned Emmett. It mentioned Mardi Gras. Emmett Smith it yeah, mentioned yeah. Mardi Gras. It mentioned a lot of good things, as you as you just read some of it. So I think Pensacola is is definitely on the upswing. Yeah, no, I I agree. And, you know, if it's not related to a crime or a horrible thing or anything controversial, it's just – you know, hey, good news. It's just a cool place in Pensacola. I'll take that, Jeremy. Yeah, I think that for at least the last several years, and I assume Visit Pensacola has something to do with it, you see the articles, you see the the Facebook pieces, you see all the things that suggest Pensacola is the next Savannah, Pensacola, one of the top 10 American towns to move to, Pensacola, and that's all words. That's all things that people are talking about. And then you go back and look at what the Wall Street Journal is saying and saying, more million dollar homes have been, you know, there's actual hard data to back up that, okay, these things that people are saying, people are coming to see here, they're coming to visit, they're coming for the Sunbelt tournament, they're coming for Pensacon, they're coming for all these things. Mardi Gras. And once Mardi Gras, they are, and, once they, and once they get here, they're like, man, downtown's really awesome. Right. The beaches are beautiful. It's not quite as crowded and as crazy as the Destin area and Seaside's The parking app expensive. is so easy to use. And, well, okay. and, um, <laughs> You know, it, Sorry, we, we should we should move here. And then 
you see that happening, and does it create an affordable housing crisis? Possibly. Is it because too many people want to move here and live here? Absolutely. Is it to a point where we're overcrowded and life is miserable here? For the most part, nobody complains about that unless you live in Beulah. And so I feel like (laughs) it is uh, a tremendous thing, and it's going to show what the years of work that have done to change Pensacola from what it was when I moved here 20 years ago to what it is today. Yeah, and we, I mean, we clearly are at a, at a place right now where decisions are going to make a big difference for the future. And, you know, growth, prosperity are not things that automatically persist. And if you don't, you know, change is always a lot harder to manage than staying the same. It's very easy to keep doing what you've always done. Uh, and so the fact that we're in a position of flux right now means that we have to be pretty smart about how we handle it or it can, you know, it can be derailed or uh, whatever. And, you know, the piece does go on to talk about some of the challenges that we have. And obviously we're pretty well uh, familiar with that. But I- I'm with you, Danny. Uh, I'll, I'll just take a um, I'll take a pro Pensacola piece on the front page of the New York of the uh, sorry of the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. You know, anytime. I well, can high tide it. raises all ships. Right. Yeah. In theory. Agreed. And, uh, you know, if people that can afford million-dollar homes are moving here, that means they have— Disposable income. They uh, get taxed. And maybe they bring some jobs with them. Right. Start a business, do whatever, invest with other people, whatever that is. Uh, Donate rent- to arts, create funds, help charities, all the things that, you know, people with means do. Well, the physical growth of northwest Florida is basically impressive. Santa Rosa County and Escambia County are just on fire with new homes, new subdivisions— rental product, you know, apartments, townhomes, those sort of things, uh, commercial, uh, restaurants are coming that weren't here, you know, just all, we're getting Wawa, you know? Yeah. So uh, there's just so many different things. Uh, it being in the real estate business, it's been sort of a fun ride. Yeah. You get a dip, uh, and that's when it sort of stinks. You get used to the constant uh, transaction flow, you know, but the the dips stink. You you do commercial, right? That's yes. Your, so I've, my I've wife re- does. Tanya does residential. Residential. Okay. So I've been wondering about this. And I just hadn't really asked the question. Um, during COVID, we saw a massive move to in-home, you know, remote remote work, right? And then, of course, you know, I think Navy Federal is the one that's kind of been the most newsed about in the sense of trying to get their people back on campus, and they still aren't fully, and you know, all of that. But it really, at the time, what a lot of us wondered is. Okay, you've got all these buildings that we suddenly discovered, you know, in the modern world, I'm not sure we need these buildings so much. Where are we at now with regards to commercial and that felt need or not for companies to have big, beautiful office space in which their workers working from home theoretically are employed? Yeah, office space is is not what is so hot. Uh, And and I think probably every market I know in here in Northwest Florida, it's not. So – 15 employees used to each need an office. Now they need a basically a conference room that they can meet once a week, mm-hmm. and they most of them work from home or out of their cars, whatever. So office space is, is down. Now that downtown Pensacola had a lot of office space and has a lot of office space, and uh, those rates and lease rates are actually going a little bit down. Candidly, okay. there's some which is interesting because it's the exact opposite of the of, well, I mean, right now, maybe not so much the opposite, but right what we've seen in residential. Oh, you know, uh, build oh, yeah. it as fast as you can build it because there's more people than we have spots, right? Well, and that's a, another long conversation, but in short, new construction uh starts when it's hot and it might get delivered when it's cooled off, right? <laughs> right. And so, <laughs> right, th- th- that all that is kind of a piece of all this. So, some of the new home built the builders are are discounting things a little bit now, right? Uh, y- you know, and so it is. It's but I think people's homes have offices now. 
Uh, right, right. Is a, is a, used to be offices had showers, and that's where, now it's the other way around, <laughs> yeah, right? Right, right. So I don't think that uh, you know staying over at the office thing is nearly as common anymore. It actually makes me think uh, of a particular example that may be more coincidence than related, but. I was thinking about how the P&J, right, used to have their big building, and then they kind of outsourced the printing operation. They didn't need the big building anymore, so that got demolished, and now we have, you know, Southtown. And they had moved into the facility there on uh, uh, Palafox and Garden, which they then subsequently, during COVID, vacated that. And now, I mean, I just can't remember if they even have an office they anymore. Do. They have maybe a small one. But, they do. I mean, most people just kind of do their work from home wherever. Um, that seems to be the way things are happening. Absolutely. Know? So – you could sort of live anywhere you want to live. Why not live in Pensacola where it's beautiful, right? Right, right absolutely. And that's what's happening, I believe. But I think you'll see, I think that businesses, companies, large organizations, Navy Federal Credit Union, for example, when you have a large organization, you were coming out of this time of COVID, and now companies are having to realize, can we build company culture? Can we build company engagement? Can we turn down employee turnover yeah. if we don't have everybody together? And when you have an organization like Navy Federal where you're hoping for 10% turnover, which seems like a low number, but that's 1,000 people a year they're having to hire, train, right. spend all that money to develop. And then that number goes up to 15, 16, 17, 18% because the facilities are closed and there's not that feeling of belonging in the organization. I think there's going to be a lot to come out now that we kind of know on the back side of this people want to stay at home but how do we then create an environment where people want to be in this company culture without them being here and i think you will see company cultures try to adapt remote to include some of that but try to really preserve that culture and engagement because that's what prevents turnover and all of those kind of things yeah i mean look the commute is annoying. Everybody complains about that. The you know you got to get pretty and you got to go into the office. And we all know the various forms of satire targeted towards office culture, whether it's Dilbert or you know the office or anything like that. But there is something intangibly different, maybe tangibly different, maybe measurable about the level of productivity, culture, happiness, getting out of the house. Yeah. You know, maybe some people who are you know single income earners. Getting him out of the house, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, right. there's there's all kinds of things about the the you know the remote working situation which are inferior. But it's not just working. Uh, you get your groceries delivered now, I right? Mean, you know, right. I, mean, I like to go out for groceries. I prefer that. I don't really too. understand the concept of you know pay somebody else to do a job that I didn't mind too much to begin with. Plus, it's just it's an activity. It's something and, you know. You and do. why I go to restaurants when. You get the food delivered from anywhere, mm -hmm. basically. And, you know, it used to just be pizza, right, when we were right. younger. So uh, just so many different changes to where it's so easy to just to be at home. How, how dare those kids isolate themselves from social contact by being on social media? Meanwhile, I, I, I Uber Eats, I DoorDash. I, you know. uh, I don't know where you are in the break, but in your break schedule. But uh, Jeremy and I go way back sort of messing around in town and, uh, yeah, it's, hang it, on. Why don't you hold it for just a second? Yeah. We'll take a real quick We'll be back in just two seconds. We're talking to uh, Danny Zimmerman and Jeremy Evans. By the way, somebody texted me and said, in terms of the growth in Pensacola and the turnaround over the last couple of decades, they think uh, Ashton Hayward should get a fair slice of credit for promoting Pensacola, helping establish it, talking about it as a buy, talking it up to people, working with Rick Scott and all that. Anyway, and I, I agree. I, I think a lot of that, too. And so sorry, Rick, Scott's, Rick Scott's coming here with Ashton here in a couple weeks. Oh, all right. So, cool. um, but uh, I. Th you and Jeremy go way in, back. In, in commercial real estate and also with Tanya doing residential, um, I've dealt with a lot of people in the last year and a half or so, two years, uh, where they're leaving places that actually politics got involved. And 
they like coming to Florida. It matches up some with their politics. Yeah. And uh, you wouldn't really, I don't know, but basically the biggest thing, people have been running away from California mm-hmm. and coming here. And I, I have half dozen people I've done things with that they can't believe the prices. They can't believe the environment around here. Uh, I, it, all that kind of lines up. And I think, you know, See, that, whether that, that trickles scares, down or trickles up. but that, that scares me a little because I lived in Arizona uh, prior to the crash. And, uh, you know, we, we moved there in 2005, okay? And we saw what happened not just with the housing bubble, but we also saw what happened with Californians fleeing. And, they'd you know, they'd sell their $700,000 home and buy three homes in Phoenix. And then those homes were suddenly $500,000. Right. And that was really bad, you know, for people in Phoenix because, you know, all of that money – we love to tout the success. You know, Florida's great. We we survived COVID well, and we brought a bunch of people here from New York and Illinois and uh, California. Uh, but they're coming from inflation states here, and that's money splashing around the economy. Basic economics tells you that that's part of our inflation problem, whether it's housing or anything else, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it is a it's always going to be a catch twenty two because it just comes down to a supply and demand issue and the more people that want to be here. And I think that we're finding that people are not just coming here from California. We have some people who are coming from Texas because of all the people that have influxed from California (laughs) to Texas. It's the second wave push, Yeah, you're kind of getting that second wave push of people into Florida and not just to, you know, to Northwest Florida. And you have towns like Defuniac Springs that are blowing up and uh, some of these communities. Yeah, and Freeport that are some of these communities that were nothing 15 years ago, and now they're really becoming large. Sorry, Defuniac Springs. <laughs> Defuniac Springs has always been something, but I, the Freeport is a relatively new community that it is you have these communities that are really popping up and developing, uh, and I think that you're seeing it. It's, it's just spectacular what's happened in Florida over the past 10, 15 years. I think absolutely part of it is COVID, politics, no income tax, all of those things. Right. As a broker, I've dealt with Publix, done five of those, and – it's interesting. They are looking to put stores in places that you would never think would get a right. big store like that. Trying right? to capture the, uh, the the real estate before the homes and yeah, the, exactly. the, the schools and everything else exists. And they really there. study rooftops and, and population, where they go, and and income levels and all those sort of things. Well, I mean, you know, Aldi, you mentioned Wawa. We got, I mean, it's, it really is that kind of, you know, boom mentality. I can't, I feel like I drive 100 feet as a new Sefco. Yep. You know, all the time. Like, oh, I didn't even know they were building that one. It's already up on operation, whether it's on W Street or on, um, you know, uh, West uh, Beverly, you know, Michigan. There's one in Hayes. I mean, just like, it seems like everywhere you turn, there's a whole new thing of some kind like that happening. Which uh, brings a challenge to uh, the mayor because the, the middle of downtown is not all new, right? It's old right. and being revitalized. And so old that's a part of pipes, what makes us great. Old flooding issues. Uh, right. And, you know working a lot on fixing that. That was even in the story, you know, some of the infrastructure issues for a town that, you know, it's great to be the oldest settlement in the country. And it's also not so great (laughs) to be the oldest settlement in the country. You know, there's, there's issues related to that. But we're doing great things. I think we are in the right direction. Does it, everybody get in the perfect medicine they need? No, for sure. You know, I I mentioned the PNJ a minute ago and I, I'm curious if you have a thought about their tra- their transition this last week, that they're no longer delivering papers in the morning, and now it's the afternoon. It's going to come you know, through mail. You're still going to get it the same day, but it's not going to be the morning delivery, which a lot of I me. Mean, I, I have read my paper online for 
gosh, six or seven years. I haven't gotten a physical paper in forever. But for the people who read the paper in the morning, that's an important part of their just basic human routine, right? Yeah, absolutely. And in my opinion, I think there was a point where the Pensacola News Journal, people can't get local news from CNN, from Fox News, from those places. And I think when the Pensacola News Journal some time ago became largely the USA Today, wrapped with a couple of papers of Pensacola News Journal, that's Mm -hmm. when things turned kind of south instead of saying, okay, we need to really heavily focus on the local. Let's give the product that we need. You know, now if I need information about what's going on locally, uh, you know, something's happening, what's going on, I go to News Radio 92.3 first on Facebook, and then second, maybe NorthEscambia.com, and third, the Pensacola News Journal, because they seem to be Channel the three. latest. Channel 3, W-A-R. Right. But Pensacola News Journal always seems to be the latest to respond to some kind of, I need to know what's going on right now. The newspaper's not the place I go. I would come here first, then to somewhere else in the News Journal S, because they just don't have the infrastructure to be able to get that information out quickly. And at some point, you just keep cutting costs, keep cutting costs, keep cutting costs, and eventually you're just an online. Kind of like a magazine style. And I I had that thought, too. Like, the PNJ is not so much the breaking news resource, you know, compared to, I mean, honestly, us or Channel 3. Yeah. And so, in a way, I'm like, well, does it really matter whether you got, you know, what they're doing in the morning or whether you get it in the afternoon? And I would think back in the day, it would very much matter you know, because that's not even the evening edition anymore. But now it's almost, I mean, okay, you know, that's they're adapting to the reality that people aren't getting the physical paper. And how important is it to have it in the morning anyway? Yeah, we, there's so many places we can go look to just see if there's any new news. Mm-hmm. Typically, I guess one breaks it and the rest follow suit, uh, a story about it, whatever. But resources of the news journal have had to go down, you know, based on nobody getting the papers as much as they used to. So I, I, I agree that. The morning newspaper is a part of my routine, is but it? basically, I, you know, they have the front section, which is old news, essentially, and the then they get into more relevant news mm-hmm. and whether that gets to the next day's paper or not. So it's hard to even get the full story uh, online, much less in, in the printed edition uh, of a newspaper or any newspaper, really. Uh, social media, you know, news is there, and every it, it really is everywhere. And, and I'll say this— um, I value the PNJ. I think the reporting that gets done will do in more depth with more counterbalance and sources of information, uh, you know, sometimes than either I or Channel 3 can do, sometimes not. Um, but, you know, the printed paper has a tremendous value. I, I wish it were more of what it had been before. Certainly, you know, and I, you know the, this, they're not the only ones dealing with this. Yeah. Newsprint across the country is dealing Remember with this. Remember when the, the newspaper classifieds were three or four pages? Of, yeah. You know, well, now that it's barely a page, usually it's a half a page. Who pays for a newspaper classified? Right. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know, who does it that way? Right, because everything has taken away that market share, whether it's dating apps or whether it's Zillow or anything else. I mean, it's, you know, all of this stuff is available online. God, so much stuff. We didn't even talk about anything I had on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Which is great. That's I, I love it. Um, the Burgosh Tech Saga. You guys, I don't think either one of you were in the room online watching yesterday. I watched the whole thing an hour and 45 minutes, but... Um, if you have no thoughts, great. If you have thoughts, curious. I mean, I have my own. Obviously, I've said them many times. But Jeremy, I, I, I think I think that the county is going to lose, and then the county is going to get sued for the slap uh, for trying to suppress people from publishing, like the PNJ, uh, which is a good reminder of how a newspaper does carry value because they have been the ones to publish the stories related to the text, which have been of tremendous value. So, I I agree with most of that, and then did I 
should know better. I believe Steve Stroberger filed to run against Jeff. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Which is the heart of what some of these text messages are about. And so it will be kind of let the voters decide how they feel about it. Yep. There'll be a legal side of it, and then there'll be the political side of it. Like, okay, this is kind of what we know. How do we want to move forward? And kind of one of the things in our democracy that's great is oftentimes we kind of have this moment where it is, okay, this person was right, this person was wrong, and we're going to decide it as a community. The community was the can hearing make its decision. yesterday yeah, about the, the first the hearing about the replevin, that's what right. should or should not be redacted? Yeah, it was actually about whether the uh, organizations that have it, Jonathan Owens and the PNJ, Alex Arduino does not have a copy, um, whether they should be forced to give it back, basically, to... Commissioner Bergosh or not? That was the, it. Was the preliminary hearing on that? That's right. Yeah, I, he and he took his phone or phones in to make sure he didn't lose anything. Right. Right. And After he, he got locked out. himself out of it. That's right. Yeah. I, text messages obviously weren't around twenty years ago, but it sure <laughs> is interesting when you think you're texting somebody and you're only talking to that person, and maybe you say something you didn't really. Want. I, I I will tell you, I, I have been doing this for a long time. Is you know, if I instant message somebody or if I text somebody, I'm always in the back of my head. You know, what if this gets published? Is that okay? Okay. You know, it's always right. playing that kind of defense again because that's just that's the world we Sounds live like in. Sounds like you're planning to run for something, Andrew. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I don't want the job. I would be bad at the job. I'd be the guy who'd be up on the dais laughing at people when they say stupid stuff. Um, I don't have that diplomacy gene, you know, uh, particularly well, I, well. You know, not the, not the poker face. I will tell you this. I guess we're running out of time. But I do really respect anybody that runs i do too including the ones i disagree with i think that it takes a tremendous amount of guts and you know hard work to be an elected official and a lot of it sucks yeah well and i think oftentimes that person who is running on whatever they're running because of this this is that they whatever happens they lose but the idea gets pushed forward listen on air at 92.3 95.3 and am 1620 news radio 92.3 wnrp golf breeze milton pensacola